You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Wednesday, October 20th, 20th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI, Friars on Base, Off the Bench Baseball, or Just Baseball, which is a lovely, lovely site that I'm a staff writer for. Maybe you like my pop culture stuff, too. Whatever. Nerdist, Mental Floss, Inverse. You can check that out stuff, too. Uh, but most importantly, you can check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account which is at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. If you are right now seeing me point to it on a screen, that means you are watching the YouTube. If you are not watching the YouTube, guys, go check that out. Lockdown Padres on YouTube for my audio listeners. A link to it is in the description of the episode. So be sure to check that out. Subscribe. You can see whatever I'm wearing today. Nothing all that interesting, to be honest. Uh, For tomorrow's episode, I got something cool. Uh, But for today's episode, just wear my hat. So wearing my hat, got my headphones as usual, even though they're not plugged in. I don't know. I just I, I noticed that because I had my headphones on the, the first time without them plugged in, that I felt like for continuity's sake, I should always have these headphones just, just kind of hanging out. But anyway, guys, uh, today's episode, we are discussing, we are recapping, giving a little bit of my thoughts on the NLCS and the ALCS uh, matchups, which I think have been genuinely pretty great, uh, especially um, the NLCS for a, a, a lot of different reasons. Um, giving my thoughts on that and then taking a little bit of time to just rant about not rant, but just kind of, you know, express my thoughts about Tatis and the defensive mythology that was crafted early on in the year and why it is so important, especially in baseball to not be jumping on these bandwagon narratives, uh, when it comes to players outputs, especially when it comes to defense sometimes, which we've seen, for example, and there is a Padre currently on the team who is a great example of this, aside from Tatis, where errors and having a really bad first half defensively doesn't always tell the full story and why making these type of, uh, you know, a lot, exaggerated takes is, is, is not good. It's not good, guys. So let's start first with the recaps. All right. Start with the recaps. First, let's bring up the ALCS because this game wasn't really all that close until the end, in fairness. Jose Altuve, the hero of this game, but before I get into that, um, Zach Greinke only lasts an inning in this game, an inning and a third, actually, to be precise. He gives up two earned runs, but then the Astros bullpen steps up big. And it's interesting because in terms of just overall team ERA, the Astros ranked around 14th in the majors uh, in terms of their bullpen, which wasn't, y- you know, like that's not atrocious. It didn't matter enough because their starting pitchers did enough innings for them. They didn't get, you know, absolutely drilled too many times. And the offense was so good that that's how their kind of team makeup is. And in this case, uh, I was surprised. Though. I mean, the, the game starts off hot. You know what I'm saying? It starts off hot. You get a, a home run from Alex Bregman, who, you know, in my opinion, the least likable of all the Astros for a very different reason. I think oftentimes people rightfully though, rightfully bring up Jose Altuve and don't get me wrong. I get it because Jose Altuve, he has the whole, you know, he's hiding and then everyone thinks, Oh, is he wearing a buzzer? All this weird stuff. Right. And I, I get that. But, and the fact that he wasn't honest about it and the fact that Correa was, was standing in there for him, taking the questions and kind of being like, no, it was a tattoo. Or no, it was he was he was shy or whatever the heck, right? All these weird things. I get why I think Altuve's 
hated by a lot of people. Correa embraces the villainy, clearly. He's also Puerto Rican power, so I don't totally hate him, although he is still on probation from the Alliance. I will I will say that as much, uh, at least for for, for for me personally, but I, I, still, I still root for him just a tiny bit. Sorry, guys. I'm a flawed human being, too. What do you want from me? But for Bregman, this is a guy who has been quoted as saying, like, you know, he loves that there's, like, kind of a what's the what's the kind of the term like justice done amongst the players you know what i mean when it comes to cheating when it comes to all this stuff he likes that stuff and then look what happens it happens to you you know what i'm saying and on top of that his statistical prowess has literally decreased um after post cheating and stuff like that when you look at his batting average expecting batting average is weighted on base whatever you want to call it against off speed stuff and curveballs and stuff like that it's a lot worse uh, than it was when they were confirmed to have been cheating. So maybe he was the guy that got a whole lot more trash bang, uh, trash bangs than everybody else. So him, I do not like, especially because of the comments he made where it's like, yeah, now it's not so easy to be saying stuff like that. Right. But, um, you know, in this game also for the Red Sox, which was very typical as usual, Nick Pavetta kind of shoved for them going five innings, only giving up one earned run walking one or walking two and striking out three. Uh, it's just classic stuff. And then the Red Sox bullpen kind of gets into some trouble. Garrett Whitlock goes two innings, gives up one earned run on three hits, which is, you know, lovely. Because I don't know about you guys. I think you guys should know, but I hate Boston and I'm happy that they're losing. You know what I'm saying? And what's so crazy is that this game just completely falls into a tailspin. For anybody who had the under, uh, if you were making a bet or something like that, maybe bet at betaline.ag, um, then you got killed because I know I did. Uh, I had the under. Um, just as like a little staff picks thing over at Just Baseball, which you guys could check out. Um, I picked the under. I also, in fairness, picked Seager to homer yesterday and the Astros to win. So like, I, I went two for three. It's not bad. Not bad. It could be worse. It could be worse. It could be worse. Um, but anyway, and the big thing that happens in this game, you get a, a tying home run from Jose Altuve, who still has that vibe of scariness every time he's up to the plate. I know that looking back in our nostalgia glasses, we can see that, you know, it's it's um what's what's the term like uh, some of his big hits in the postseason like the home run off of Chapman we kind of view a little bit differently now now, now that we know everything about the team uh and, and the cheating and the trash bangs and all that stuff the trash cans um but still bottom line is was a huge huge clutch hit especially in a clearly hostile environment in Fenway Fenway is so hard to play and you can tell I mean I've mentioned this before on the pod where like the the opposing team's dugout and like where pitchers are like basically it's like if this isn't a great way to judge it but like the vicinity of like my hands right now going to the computer if you're watching the youtube that's like how far away some people could be so it's like you know that's pretty rough i bet garrett cole was hearing it back in the wild card game but um the astros offense showed up big time in this one you got a bunch of hits off of nathan Eovaldi, who they bring in which i actually think might have been bad because they might have burned nathan Eovaldi for a potential start and he'd been really good for the red sox so um either way it was a good game cer- certainly i think it was a good game even though the final score was nine to two uh, a lot of that is just because the astros absolutely ran away with it in the top of the ninth inning with you know there was some fielding errors from martin perez who came in to try and save the game uh, after Nathan Ovaldi couldn't get uh, totally out of the trouble, but he gives up the big hits um, to like Jason Castro. And then the last thing that I think needs to be mentioned here, the last thing that needs to be mentioned here is Laz Diaz last night, home plate umpire was disastrous. I know everyone loves seeing the MLB umpire scorecards uh, page on Twitter, which I have not seen it for Laz Diaz, but there was a really bad um failed called third strike on Jason Castro. And if that goes through, then maybe this whole inning of onslaught, 
doesn't happen. Um, granted, it is a little bit much for Red Sox fans to be complaining uh, when it comes to calls and not not calls, but to be complaining that. Well, so what? We don't know what would happen the rest of the game when you guys were saying the same thing about the Rays incident that happened last week. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Or the week before. Like, that's – you were basically saying, well, we don't know. We would have – you know, it's – everything changes, obviously, with every call for sure. Uh, unless you're already up by nine and there's, like, a strike through call that's not good. You know what I mean? Then I'm like, all right, like, come on, guys. They were winning by seven runs anyway. But um, I'm very curious to see the MLB umpire scorecard. This is clearly going to be one of the worst ones, at least – in my opinion, that we'll have seen. Yeah, I'm just looking right now. It doesn't look like there's uh, one out yet. It should be very interesting. But uh, robot umpires, I've talked about this on the show before. You just can't be having games like this decided by umpires, in my opinion. I know that some people like the human element. I, for one, actually think there's credence to that uh, to an extent. I think that people don't realize how potentially boring it could be if it's just like, strike ball you know what i mean and, and etc and we review everything with micro you know uh, 4k kind of quality that sometimes that makes the sport a little bit less exciting at least in my opinion but uh nonetheless a very poor umpired game from laz diaz last night and i'm very curious to see the mlb scorecard uh, you guys can check out that uh the umpire scorecard page on twitter but before we get into some more stuff guys let me tell you about one of the greatest things ever all right it's Spotify Greenroom. It's the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I will be hosting rooms for Locked On Padres once a week. That's right, once a week. You can finally join on the conversation you listen to here every day. You'll find fans and insiders and people like myself, so be sure to join me and a bunch of other people for whatever room you're looking for. People host rooms about like what the best anime is sometimes. People host rooms about what the next uh, episode of Succession is going to be about. Whatever it is. But of course, sports is the number one over there. So go download the free Green Room app now, available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the MLB group for the latest league updates. Follow me on there at Javier Reyes, J-A-V-I-E-R-R-E-Y-E-S, to be notified when the room goes live. I am planning to do one this weekend, but I have a lot of work this weekend. So to be honest with you, Friday might even be a day. I'm seeing Red Sox Astros, but I'll do one at some point. Follow me on the app, and you'll be notified, guys. Spotify Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. All right, guys, thanks for making, once again, want to say this, thanks for making Lockdown Padres your hashtag first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. All right, let's talk about the other game, the NLCS. Okay, my dear, what, in the, so people have theorized for, for, long, for a long time. People have been theorizing for a while. Why is it that Atlanta sports is so cursed? People have been wondering this. They, they've been, you know, searching tablets. There's there's ancient architecture and whatnot that you can kind of go through and scroll through, and you know, maybe maybe some some braille type of posting stuff like that. Like you 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 search, you research, you spend eons and decades trying to figure this out, and nobody knows what's going on. Yesterday's game between the Braves and the Dodgers, which is a game that the Dodgers were favored to win, uh, they was expected to bounce back. But Walker Bueller, who Dodgers fans, Jeff Snyder, the Sny Dog, over at Locked On. Dodgers. That's right. I wish he was somehow watching me right now or listening to me. The man's a fraud. He's a fraud. And here's why he's a fraud. Because he's joking about how clearly Walker Bueller is the Cy Young. You know, he's the Cy Young guy. 
And I'm like, I actually think he's going to get there one day or at least be very consistently close for a while. Think maybe uh, not the same type of pitcher, but like a Carlos Carrasco who was kind of in the mix a bunch of years for a while. And he was really, really good. It's just that there happened to be some pitchers that were better. Uh, Walker Buehler ain't even the best pitcher on his own team. So I don't know what people are talking about. It's Corbin Burns this year, guys, or Max Scherzer. I think it's Corbin Burns. Although I would not be surprised if they gave it to Scherzer since he was so dominant right when they got him at the deadline. Even if they didn't need him nearly as much as some other teams, in my opinion, anyway, in my opinion. Uh, I know they've had some injuries and what have you to that starting rotation of theirs. But uh, in this game, he goes three and two-thirds innings, giving up four earned runs on seven hits, walking three, striking out three. Clearly could not keep up with this Atlanta offense. There was actually times when there he walked in a run with the bases loaded, and he was like looking at the umpire like, what the heck? And I was like, I, not to hate. But like, bro, the pitch was clearly like bad off the plate. Like, I don't, I don't know what you're doing in that in that fourth inning. I was like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, whatever. So they had to take him out, and the Braves, you know, capitalized enough. Uh, they scored five runs. It was five to two. It was five to two, guys. It was five to two. I, I actually couldn't believe it was true. I don't know about you guys, but like. I, you know, my mom has been telling me a little bit more. My mom's a little bit more spiritual than I am to an extent. Um, and she tells me like to try and listen to science from the universe and whatnot, right? That's what a lot of people say. Not even just my mom. Where people are listen to the universe, listen to the vibes. And I'm like, okay, the vibes I've been getting from the universe is that there's nothing about the baseball season that's making me happy this year. But on top of the Boston Red Sox about to win another freaking World Series potentially, and on top of the Dodgers getting shares and all this stuff, nothing has gone well. I wanted the Giants to beat them. I wanted the Cardinals to beat them, whatever. And then that doesn't happen. So I, I, I always kind of expect the worst, right? I'm always expecting the worst. And then I saw it and I remember you can ask my mother. I was standing right there and I said, there is nothing more Dodgers and nothing more cursed to make me upset right now than a dude who Cody Bellinger had one of the worst seasons for a former MVP, especially coming off of the MVP, you know, not too long ago that I can remember in a very long time. I am currently trying to find his number. I can't find it, though. I don't know what's going on. Why is this app so useless? There we go. Okay. Batting 165 with a 240 on base and a 302 slugging percentage in 95 games. It's one of the worst follow-ups after an MVP just two years ago, back in 2018, that I can remember. Or 2019, I should say. Uh, that I can honestly remember. Just truly heinous stuff from Cody Bellinger. And what happens here? In the bottom of the eighth, he homers, allowing Will Smith and A.J. Pollock to score, tying the game, and then Mookie Betts ends up coming up after a Chris Taylor single and then hitting a double to right center, allowing Chris Taylor to score. The Braves was just too much for them. They end up losing. It was in sight, ladies and gentlemen. It was right freaking there. We thought we might have a, a, a all but basically guaranteed series win over the Dodgers. At least one of my two enemies would be eliminated. Instead, it's 2-1. Now, don't get me wrong. The Braves still have a chance. It's not completely over. But Atlanta sports, man. I, actually, I, I asked my mom yesterday. I was like, I wonder what like Falcons fans did that night that they lost the Super Bowl. Because I would have been so... I, I just think that you would have had to like genuinely watch out for me that night. Like, if I was that big of a Falcons fan, because I was already a mess that night. People want an inside inside look into the life of Javier. When really tragic things happen uh, in my life, I tend to go back to my comfort food, and one of them is Naruto. And I was just watching that for the rest of the night, because that Super Bowl made me miserable. Uh, I imagine that Braves fans, shout out Dylan Short, who does a great podcast, also a fellow anime fan. Um, go check out Locked on Braves for sure. Um, he was pointing out, like, look, 
you know, they, they played well. And the fact that the Dodgers are clearly on kind of life support when it comes to that rotation of theirs, you know, Charlie Morton, after giving up two runs to start, just has an absolute game, you know, for the rest of the game, uh, just kind of battled. You know, I mean, he did walk, walk six batters, but he kind of battled. So that was really nice to see. Um, This is easily the best series of the postseason so far. It's not even close, to be honest with you. Like, I think that the Astros one has been good with the Red Sox, but the NLCS, basically every single game being decided on game-winning hits with the Mookie Betts hit, the Cody Bellinger hit, and what have you. And then you have the the two walk-offs from Eddie Rosario and Freddie Freeman and, and, and all those guys, or Austin Riley, I should say, uh, with the single. Uh, Freddie Freeman is the one that tied the game in the Brewers series, I should say. Um, or, or gave them the lead in the Brewer series. But I will say that there is, man, that Bellinger hit. I saw it. You could ask my mom. I called it. I was like, he's going to do something. I didn't call the home run, but I said, no, he's going to do something right here. I guarantee you. It is so Dodgers who earlier on in the broadcast, the, the broadcast was saying, I mean, they're really missing Max Muncy as if the Braves somehow aren't missing Ozuna, Acuna, Soroka, uh, they were missing Travis Darno for most of the year. You know what I'm saying? It's like, guys, they've got Thanos snapped that team. I don't want to hear it about the Dodgers who have the privilege of using a former MVP as a bench player. Okay, so I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Um, this was not decided. In fairness, though, what I do like, unlike the Ashes and Red Sox game, not decided by bad calls, at least in my opinion. Uh, that wasn't really the big thing of the story. But uh, I did see something. I did see something in the game that I thought was interesting. A little bit of a... A little bit of a, dare I say, a mistake by the Dodgers infield by a man named Corey Seager. I don't know. Just some weird little uh, moments, I should say. What's the, what's, the, what's the phrase for that? Little, uh, I just found it interesting. You know what I mean? Some little, not an error, but a little bit of a blip. We're going to be talking about Corey Seager and Fernando Tatis Jr. in defense and superstardom in a second, guys. But before we get into that, let me talk to you about something that is also awesome and full of superstardom, guys. Those are the, wait for it, the best protein bars in all the land, ladies and gentlemen. They are the Built Bars, of course. You know about the Built Bars, guys. Covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. And my favorite part, great variety of flavors. Coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, gorgeous and cream, German chocolate, Rocky Road. Um, What else do they got there? They got like apple almond crisp. They've got all sorts of limited time flavors. They even have a new one, blueberry muffin, which I tried myself and enjoyed very much. Uh, it's really great, guys. It's really great. And on top of all that, they are protein bars, which means they are healthy for you. 17 to 18 grams of protein. Calories ranging from 130 to 180. Only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and only 4 to 5 grams net carbs. Amazing flavors. All tasty. All healthy. What are you waiting for, guys? Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Remember, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com dot com and also guys transitioning to the next little thing i want to talk to you about we're back and better than ever a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props odds and lines than ever before bet online remains your number uno number uno spot for all the basketball and football action this season head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit uh just use the promo code also blocked on 
to receive your bonus. That's right. Just for listening to this, you get a little bit of a bonus, guys. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL boxing, UFC, movie odds, award show odds. I'm pretty sure they'll have something on Survivor, for all I know. The hit TV show. You guys have heard of Survivor. Hey, maybe even Big Brother. They might have something on, right? Uh, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, guys. All right, guys. Let's do it. Let's talk very specific Padres stuff. I know this episode wasn't totally about all Padres stuff. I get it. It happens sometimes. It was a lot of big news. I genuinely thought the games last night were astounding. So what can I what can I tell you? There's not a lot of Padres news going on right now. We're going to have a couple of these. Um, but before we get into some of the other things that I'll be talking about on the pod, let's f- focus on this one. You know what I mean? Instead of topics that I'll be talking about in the future, let's talk about this one, right? I want to talk about Fernando Tatis Jr.'s defense. Friend of the show uh, put out something the other day. A uh, friend of the show, Emily Nyman, uh, posted a tweet. She's been on the podcast before. She's a big Yankees fan. Go check out Breaking Balls Pod. It's really good. I enjoy listening to it. It's just kind of got that, like, raw New York, like, kind of jerk energy to it. Like, and I mean that li- with love. I mean that with love. Uh, it's a very, very, very good podcast. I definitely recommend checking it out. But she said, when seeing Dodgers fans crush Tatis Jr. for his defense all year, it was a bit surprising just now to see that he had two outs above average and 355 attempts at shortstop this year, while Seager, Corey Seager, had minus six outfield, or I'm sorry, outs above average uh, in 334 attempts this season. Now, I'm not going to make this the total Dodgers bashing. You guys know I don't like the Dodgers. I hope they lose every game. I hope they get swept. I hope they are, are crying. I hope Jeff Snyder, the Snydog, as they call him, I hope he's miserable. And all serious stuff, go check out Lockdown Dodgers. If, if and again, if you just want pain, you know what I mean? If you just want to be sad and see people who are clearly going to be just super happy after what happened last night, go check out Lockdown Dodgers, guys. But my thing is this. I remember I talked with a bunch of other people, Josh Neighbors of Lockdown Nationals. It was a really fun podcast. We were talking about Tatis. I think that the Tatis outs above average thing, and I, let me be very clear, plus two, his fueling percentage on top of the errors, maybe some of his range stuff and all that, I'm not saying Tatis was a good defender this year just because he had a positive, um, you know, outs above average, which is a good stat, I think, but certainly doesn't tell you the whole story. I think that when it comes to, you know, overall just judging uh, defense, it's a little bit more difficult because it's interesting how errors, it's more about like, did they, it's almost, for lack of a better term, it's kind of like, well, if they got to the ball in the first place, how much do you penalize them for, right? They made an attempt. Being able to make an attempt means you got there in the first place. Stuff like range, stuff like speed to get to the ball, stuff like your arm strength, all that sort of stuff, your reaction time, that comes into play. So errors isn't the, always the best way to judge. And I think Tatis is a great example of that. Early on in the year, everyone was slandering this man. Everyone was slandering this man. And to an extent where people are like, I am so tired of seeing him make some one great play, even though he's not a good defensive player, and then MLB's throwing it throughout all the place. First of all, congratulations to everybody figuring out that when you're famous, you'll get more publicity. Fernando Tatis Jr. is the most exciting player in baseball. It's him and Otani. I got to give respect to Otani every time I say that. I'm sorry, guys. You can't help. You can't help. He's so great. That's uh, a nine. That's a 10. That's 11. Uh, that I think that just the, the you know, what's asinine is these takes. And my issue with the takes about the Tatis thing is not only are they getting old takes exposed, all these people go look up the, you remember it was Tati E15. Remember when people were making that joke and it's like, okay, I get it. He was like one of the league leaders in errors, but Jerks and Profar, 
was uh, before he was with the Padres, I think was a great example that I like to use just because he is currently on the Padres um, that he made like 15 throwing errors in the first half uh, in the season before the Padres acquired him. So that would be 2019. And then the rest of the season made like three. I think it's a good, it's a good thing to note that defense can sometimes change a little bit to just the same way that offense does to the point where it doesn't become as much of a liability as it was early on in the season for the Padres. Not to mention early on in the season for the Padres, that was when they were actually winning still without him. I also think people need to realize that offense matters a whole lot more when you're doing what Tatis is doing at the plate. I don't really care about his defense. I care a little bit, but not that much. You know what I'm saying? And I think that this is a good example. Everyone praises Corey Seager all the time. Uh, everyone bashes Javi Baez all the time for another example of a shortstop. But like those guys, that guy can feel too, even if his offense is a little bit weird. So I'm just saying these all-encompassing takes, you got to stop having them about baseball. Uh, I know that they rack up the engagement. I know that if right now I go, Corey Seager just cost himself $100 million uh, after making a little bit, not an error, but the ball bounces off his glove uh, in the game yesterday. That ends up being a single that ends up leading to one of the runs for the Braves. Uh, like he's just not a great defensive player and nobody of the Dodgers ilk ever really brings that up. You know what I mean? You guys are bashing our dude, or at least our dude is just an absolute stud muffin. You know what I'm saying? And I think that I get really annoyed when people bring up, well, they show some of Tatis's like defensive plays and they say, wow, why aren't they showing what Trey Turner did? I'm like, because nobody cares that much about Trey Turner, you damn nerd. You know what I mean? When you have a LeBron, when you have all these guys that are not even in the sport praising this man Tatis, he's big time. He's blockbuster. So I think people need to stop getting upset when just because someone doesn't fit the ultimate parameters for cool that they're praised, i.e. Correa, it was only game one. I get it. But as far as I'm concerned, I will take literally any personality in this sport at this point, any. You know what I mean? So say when we see um, Javi Baez, when he had that over-the-top you know, celebration against uh, Amir Garrett back before the trade deadline, right? On what was a fly ball, essentially. What was a fly ball that could have been easily caught. It wasn't like he bashed the home run or even bashed the double, right? But it should be mentioned that, you know, some people complain. They're like, oh my God, dude, you barely got it out. I'm like, dude, just let people do whatever they want. When it comes to having fun, oftentimes there is the cool people who are making it fun. And then there is the silly people, you, the silly, dare I say, even a little bit dumb kind of, you know, celebrations, a little bit wacky, a little bit silly, uncalled for whatever in the sport of baseball, in order to get those cool things, you're going to have to have the wacky ones too. For every, to use a football analogy, you know, for every Gronk spike, you're going to have one of those where they sit on the floor and then they, they paddle like a boat or whatever. And it looks totally ridiculous. And it's dumb. It's like objectively kind of dumb. But dumb is also fun. So I'm all cool with that. I think that everyone acting like there's only one way to go about this and that we should be objective when it comes to legislating fun in the league is stupid. I don't think that this is only reserved for Tatis. Everybody's allowed to have fun and whatnot. Lastly, I will say this. I've been saying from the beginning with the defense, I do not like how everyone was saying, go look up Miller Thomas. Go type in, go ahead, go ahead. Everybody who's listening, everybody who's watching, go type in at on Twitter, Creator Thomas 24 and then put in James Harden or Harden, one of the two. You know why? Because he was comparing Fernando Tatis Jr. to James Harden. Why was he doing that? Because James Harden, the NBA, for any of my NBA heads out there or people who aren't NBA heads, incredible generational offensive player. 
wasn't good at defense. I don't. I actually think he gets a little bit too much crap. I think when he, when the going gets tough, especially in the playoffs, that he can play some defense. But basically, bottom line, he's a little bit of a turnstile on defense. At least a few years he's been right. That's what Miller Thomas um, compared him to. And my thing is this: that's just simply not true. It's an exaggerated. Take look. I got I got love for Miller Thomas, host of Lockdown Diabacks. But please, if you find that tweet, tweet at him. All right, please tweet at him and be like, "Hey, yo, you know, Hobby sent us." You're a fraud. You should be sent to prison for this take. You know, all these things. You should be sent to the gulag. You should be banned from Twitter. You should have your account deactivated. Or simply, better yet, just say ratio or something like that. I would love that. Tag me, please, if you want to do that with Millard. But basically what I'm trying to say is people, I said this at the beginning of the year, there's got to be in a middle ground with Tatis's defense. You know what I'm saying? First year in the league, rookie. Amongst one of the five worst, he had a low outs above average. He was making a lot of throwing errors, which was weird. A lot of throwing errors, not fielding errors, a lot of throwing errors. He kind of, I joked about this a lot early on where I was like, I'm almost convinced he gets bored. You know what I mean? Where he's like, oh, I got to throw. He's like, oh, whoops. And then the ball just kind of, you know, doesn't make it to the base. It's a weird throw or whatever as compared to the fielding, which he loves. You know what I mean? He's jumping all over the place. He's got that raw athleticism for sure. I shouldn't say raw athleticism. I don't like using that term. He's got the speed. He's got the arm strength to be an incredible fielder. So while he was bad the first year in 2020, albeit in 60 games, he was amongst the best. In fact, he was a top three in outs above average. He was very, very, very good. And he made some outstanding plays. You know, the air Tatis catch that he had where he's jumping up like that or whatever, going back into the outfield. That needs to be brought up. If he's capable of plays like that, if he goes from being one of the worst defenders to one of the best to then again struggling, there's got to be a middle ground because it doesn't make sense. People don't often defensively go from being elite elite to just bad. You know what I'm saying? To just outright awful. There's got to be an in-between. I'm not saying that Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to be Andrelton Simmons. I'm not saying that he's going to be Javi Baez. I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, heck, even maybe even a positive defender. Like I said, two outs above average. It's not the tell-all and be-all. I still think he was probably on the side of being lesser. But it might, one, it might not matter because his offense is so good that it kind of, as long as he's not giving you a minus three defensive war or whatever, then I don't really care what the defense is. And number two, he has room to grow. He has room to grow. Um, he just does. If he gave us the season that he gave us in 2020, why can't he do it again? It's somewhere in the middle for sure, in my opinion. And remember, he's still only 22 years old. He's incredible. So everyone who's complaining about Tatis's defense, get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. I'm sick of hearing about you guys. I'm sick of it. And I know they're out there. I know they are. And no one really talked about Corey Seager, you know? Nobody talks about a lot of defensive players that weren't as good. Tatis is fine. And I actually think that he has potential to be a whole lot better. So I think everyone was saying that he's the worst, that he's Jeter. You know what I'm saying? First of all, I take that as a compliment. Last time I checked, Derek Jeter, Hall of Famer. So, uh, yep. Shut up. Just stop. Shut it up. Blah, 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 blah. Stop it. Fernando Tatis Jr.'s defense is fine. That is a non-issue in every sense of the word. But yeah, guys, that's it for my little bit of a rant on Tatis's defense and what have you. I'll be talking more about Tatis and defense and some other players' defense and doing kind of player reviews, I think, throughout the offseason. But before we kind of tease what's coming on future episodes, guys, let me just first say thanks again for making Lockdown Padres your first listen every day. Be sure to check out the show wherever uh, you get your podcast from, you know, for the next episodes. Uh, tomorrow, we are going to be having a 
I'm going to do a fair warning. I probably should have done this at the top of this episode too, because it's a chunky boy, like 48, 50 minute episode with Mark DeLucci, who you might be familiar with on the baseball Twitter. He writes for Niners Nation, Golden State of Mind. He also did Around the Foghorn for San Francisco Giants analysis. And we basically go into this giant, it, look, I'm going to cut full fret. It's a little bit of a mistake. I should have made sure that he talks a lot. He talks a lot. I didn't think there was anyone out there who could talk more than me consecutively. Almost and just the, uh, uh, he's the juggernaut. Once he gets going, nothing can stand in his way. So be aware of that. But I think it's a really fun episode, really deep episode. He's such a smart kid. Um, that we talk about baseball economics. We talk about how the Giants building their teams versus how the Padres are building their teams. The money spent on players, the money spent on the organization and staff. You know, consolidation and all that stuff. And then talking about the Giants, what they're going to do in free agency. Guys like Anthony Discafani, where where are they going to go? Where does he think they're going to go? Chris Bryant talking about Farhan Zaidi, AJ Prowler, the athletic story is a very very deep chat. Uh, one of the deeper ones in a while. This is what happens uh, when you talk to actually smart people. You get a lot of content out of it. You get a lot of you know, you get a lot of speaking, you get a lot of words. So I think that that is something to absolutely look forward to um, for sure. And then in terms of the future of the pod, also going to be doing a bunch of crossovers. Stacey got locked on Yankees. We're planning on doing a podcast at some point, probably just to rant about the Red Sox for the most part uh, and talk about maybe Aaron Boone and manager stuff. That should be a lot of fun. And then talking with Ethan Smith of Locked On Pirates, talking about Adam Frazier trades, you know, and retrospect, talking about the Joe Musgrove trade and retrospect, just general offseason stuff. Lots of fun stuff. Going to be doing player reviews, going to be doing a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, to be honest with you. And by the time all that stuff is even done, I bet you we're going to get more news from Padres land. It's going to be a fun offseason, guys. Oh, yeah. Th- speaking of offseason, oh, don't worry. I'm doing it this year. We're doing my offseason wish list. Did I miss a lot last year in terms of what I got right and what I got wrong? Oh, yeah, I did. You bet your butt I did. But we're still going to do it. We're going to see how much I get right versus how much I want to happen. You know what I mean? When it comes to the Padres this offseason, guys. But with that all being said, that officially about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, you know, available on all platforms, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever. Feel free to send me some five-star views on the Apple Podcast app. I'd greatly appreciate that. Follow the YouTube so you can see me doing the wacky dances and twisting the hats and stuff like a mash catch them. Look at me, or whatever it is that he does in the show, in the uh, in the show that he does. Um, be, feel free to subscribe there. Locked on Padres on YouTube. My setup is getting better and better, uh, in my opinion. Anyway, but I'll admit I'm biased, guys. Follow the show or myself on Twitter. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care. Yeah.